Oh, yes, baby. One stat. We're going to tell you quite a few stats today. How you can grow your collection affordably, but at the same time with some high upside in the grand scheme of things. His name is Andy. My name is Carter. You already see a live poll question right now. Are you doing more buying or are you doing more selling? Andy, I'm going to let you go first. What is your uh, game plan look like right now? I'm doing more buying, man. Doing Definitely doing, d- doing more buying uh, uh, right now. But I am fielding offers for some of my more premium cards, uh, particularly like Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, or some of the guys I own nicer cards of, Lamar Jackson. I, but I'm nothing that is really because I've got my prices in, and I do all my listing and buy it now. So uh, my prices are really typically listed like 10 to 20% higher than the than the average comps uh, because I'm not hard-pressed to sell anything. And I understand that the hype is going to slowly build on, especially like those guys heading into the season. So I'm doing a lot more buying right now. Guys that I'm noticing are going undervalued and, and, and that I expect to pick up in value and pick up in hype once we get into training camps and preseason heading into September. I'm doing more selling just because I am trying to save up for the national. (laughs) I've listened to a few like uh, really smart sports card people saying, yeah, sell a little bit more of your inventory to give you more room to buy in person at the national. So I'm doing a little bit of an Andy. I know you're not the hugest fan of this. But some of my rare short print kind of stuff, I'm doing some 99 cent let it ride kind of things. No reserve. Yeah, just taking a gamble. Some of my Justin Jefferson stuff, um, a big Jefferson PSA 10 auto that I have up uh, right now, um, a silver PSA 10 auto. But I'm, I'm just trying to get some capital all saved up because we're getting ready to obviously get everything finalized for us to go. And that's just where I am personally. But at the same time, you see my name right here, Air McNair Patch Guy. I'm still trying to grow my football card game use patch collection. And uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up was Steve Air McNair. So I've gone, Andy, just overall, uh, as you know, just away from you know the current guys. I still buy a lot of the current guys. But as of right now, I just, I just love the nostalgia. I love going back and... And remembering when I was little watching Air McNair, watching Peyton Manning and all those guys uh, in the AFC. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. But I do think, Andy, with all your research you've been doing, not only over the past week, but in the past hour leading up to today's show, you have been rethinking a lot of things. I love it. So I got to ask you, when when do you have that uh, Justin Jefferson auction ending? Like what day of the week? What time? Sunday night, baby. Sunday night. Sunday baby. night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. And look, I'm not happy to lose any of my Justin Jefferson stuff. I'm very lucky to have a decent amount of it. Um, mostly in LSU uniform because, well, you know. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's not that I dislike him at all, as you as you know, Andy. But, yeah, I once again, if you're new, list that auction at night. 8 p.m. is normally a pretty good time to start and end an auction, but I am doing some selling just to, you know, get some things all squared away so I could buy some in Chicago. So we shall see. Now, uh, Andy, my question for you is just over the past week, what have you been conjuring up here on the football card quest as far as some key details that you see now with football cards, buying and selling? Sure, sure. And yeah, I think it starts with an understanding of the cycles, you know, and right now we are we are officially in the off season. We do have the schedules being announced. They're making a big deal about that. I've heard it's going to be like a three hour televised broadcast uh, Thursday night. So that's going to that's going to be a big deal. Um, But right now, like I am starting to get into that uh, that draft fantasy draft mode. And I throw this term around there loosely at how the fantasy ADP or average draft position of where uh, players are going is virtually directly correlated with their football card prices. And, uh, you know, I throw that around loosely because there's other factors that go into that. There's other stats that go into why a player 
is so hyped up. And that changes based on position, Carter. It changes for quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, defensive players, you know. So uh, right now I'm, I'm like fleshing out basically a formula that takes these different factors or these different stats into consideration uh, with the weight and then aggregates them and, and gives me basically a hype score for each player and then putting those rankings out as we're now heading into um, you know, training camps and OTAs and everything because, you know, got all our landing spots and now it's it's time to start speculating and start building those projection models and start, you know, coming up with what, what expectations we have, which we know drives a lot of demand and value in the football card market. Let's say hi to some of our live streamers. And once again, it doesn't matter if you listen to us live on YouTube, I've been re-listening to a lot of our shows, Andy, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. We appreciate you guys. But we highly recommend you come in and be a part of our live listening audience. Chad, Roland, John, OG, Messiah. And you know what's funny? Cody on one of my PHL live streams actually fell asleep. He won a card. I gave out a super short print Cardell Thomas card. So, Cody, make sure you reach out to me and I'll get that to you. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I am doing mostly selling, but singles prices are looking to be very tasty for some players. Um, and I got a play of the week at the end that I think could be very juicy. Okay. Um, running back. I think that was severely underdrafted, but Andy, just based on what you have learned, I know you're, you know, you do these deep dives on Patreon, you release the data, you're obviously doing a lot of rethinking on a lot of different things. What are some things that are really sticking out to you now that the draft is over and Bowman's out there? We got college license stuff. What are, what are some things that you're just loving right now with football cards? Uh, well, the things that I'm that I'm loving right now is some of the disparity I'm seeing between Raw and PSA 10. And I briefly touched on this. I actually wrote this up in depth on Patreon a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I, I mean, they're like Trevor Lawrence, for example, is incredibly hyped up, right? Ascending team offensive scenario. Uh, you know, he's got a rushing floor. He's got a big time passing upside. He gets Calvin Ridley this year, second year for Doug Peterson, et cetera, et cetera. And his cards are pretty expensive. But if you look at the disparity between his raw rated rookie, which you can get uh, pretty much any day of the week. Now these will disappear and then, they'll, you know, people will creep back into the marketplace we're talking about eBay and list them and sell them, not realizing the potential this card has. But his raw base donors rated rookie, it's like a ten dollar card. But the PSA ten is a hundred dollar card, Carter. Uh, and by looking at the population report and the population data, I mean you have a, a really high chance. There's like almost a, I think a seventy percent chance that you're going to get a PSA ten on that base donors rated rookie, and even higher. On his base Donruss rated rookie portrait. It, he's in a Clemson uniform in that one, yeah. but it's still got the rated rookie and the Jaguars logo and stuff. And there's even higher PSA 10 rates, over 90%. That's so it's strange. I wish we saved like the actual episode date when we saw that the Trevor Lawrence Prism base PSA 10 uh, was like a pop four, while at the same time, Trey Lance was like a pop 60 PSA 10 in, in Prism. Do you remember that, Andy? Uh, yeah, uh, I do. Ago. That was absolutely insane. I would not have guessed that that would have been the PSA. That is just insane that those and, numbers yeah, are. And the gem rate on his optic is incredibly low, too. Like, you you are literally looking at even a, a good optic. I mean, you're literally only looking at, like, a 30% chance of getting the 10. Now, it's even lower on the prism. It's literally, like, 10% chance right. of getting the 10 on his prism. But the optic is terrible. And the optic sells for, like, $20. But, I mean, if I'm looking at that that chance of getting the 10, like, that's that's a big play there. I would I would much rather buy the base Donruss at $10 and give me that much upside because you know the rates for submission at PSA now are $19 a card, you know, maybe a little bit lower if you have, you know, a deal like a bulk deal and so, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of upside there, but it's got to be on a card that I have a pretty good possibility of getting at 10. Yeah, so I I have always found Trevor Lawrence to be the most fascinating 
like quarterback because the pop count was so unbelievably high uh, compared to obviously the 2020 guys. And, you know, year two was this big year, but Andy, as you always stated, so much is already baked in, you know, to his prices. Um, and it, he had his own top things uh, released uh, for those that remember that. Also, we know Trevor Lawrence gives out a very beautiful autograph. He is very aware of sports cards. He is signed at the Super Bowl uh, with Card Collector, too. He's got his own thing. But he also plays for the Jaguars, which, you know, is one of the not big brands in the NFL. It's always very fascinating to look at Trevor, especially looking at how the AFC is all set up at this point. So, yeah, I I don't know if 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 Trevor is a buy for me, but I think some of these skill guys like – Calvin Ridley um, is is very interesting uh, to me with Trevor moving forward. Yeah, and it's and it's not um, it's not just Trevor. Like I've got a play at at the end of this episode as well, oh. Carter, of a quarterback that when we did our first um, best ball draft on Underdog Fantasy last Thursday night, this guy went undrafted. We're talking about a starting quarterback with big offensive uh, upgrades in terms of the, just the entire team. Period. And he didn't even get drafted, and he's heading into his second year. So uh, I'm excited to talk about about some of those plays as well, because you know the the one of the biggest factors, and I put a pretty heavy weight on this Carter is age and draft capital uh, spent on that player. So okay. you look at a guy like Anthony Richardson coming out of this draft class. Well, I mean, he went to a big, big college program. Maybe there's inaccuracy concerns around his throwing game, but he's got such a high rushing floor and such a high athletic ability score that it combined with his age and the draft capital spent on him, which was well above what was initially projected for him before the combine. Now he's going to be just as hyped up, if not maybe more in some in, in certain cards than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud because he goes to the Colts. And it's a different team environment, arguably a bigger market. Uh, you know, you could you could say that they, because they brought over Shane Steichen from the Eagles, that that's a better scheme for Anthony Richardson. You also have him going higher than other guys in fantasy football, or, you, or than C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young in fantasy football because yeah. of his rushing floor, too. Mm. And there's a lot of ambiguity. Like, how many games is he going to start the season? Does he slot right in and beat out Minshew, or does Minshew like blow him out in camp because of the passing acumen and stuff? So there's a lot of ambiguity, like right now, and uh, that 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 FOMO, which is driven by the age combined with the draft capital for initial rookies, is sky high. I mean, it, it can drive prices astronomical. Now, there's a lot of different ways you could support Andy and his research. We highly recommend you join the PHL. Well, I said the PHL. I do have my own Patreon, but join Andy's uh, Patreon. I'm a member, patreon.com slash football cards. And we go to a super chat. That is also a very good way to support Andy. And we always go straight to the super chat question. Andy, who would you target more this offseason, Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter? Cody Boudreaux leaked my play out of the bag right here because it's Sam Howell. I'm targeting Sam Howell oh. every day of the week uh, with no ownership there in Washington. Tough division, but if you look at it, they did, they are the team that beat the Eagles last year on Monday Night Football. And so I love the I love the weapons there. I also love what Sam Howell brings to the table more so than Desmond Ritter. Uh, I mean, if you look at the draft capital they spent on Bijan, you look at what Arthur Smith did his last year in in Tennessee. I mean, they're planning on giving Bijan like just this insane workload. I think they're going to have a conservative offense and, you know, Drake London may be incredible receiver. Kyle Pitts is coming off an injury. You know, they want to run the ball with Bijan Robinson. They're going to put him everywhere. He's going to be their featured guy. It's going to be very much like ease Desmond Ritter into it. Whereas Ron Rivera and those commanders, especially new ownership, they want to win games and they're, they're, they're going to do whatever they can to win games flat out. It's I don't think it's going to be as conservative, so I think a lot of that may be put on Sam Howell's shoulders, and the guy showed some really interesting uh, rushing upside, plus they have just insane weapons across the board with McLaurin and Dotson and Curtis Samuel uh, and 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 the uh, the backfield with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson and stuff. So um, I'm way more excited about Sam Howell, plus his prices are just dirt cheap comparing 
And he didn't even get drafted, Carter, in our in our first best ball draft. Interesting. So in the chat right now, type S for Sam Howe, type D for Desen Ritter. Um, Andy, I just sent you in the private chat the sold items for Sam Howe autos. And they are all over the place. I mean, some of these optic rookie ticket autos are going for, you know, 120, um, 150, 200. I've seen a few 200s. I've seen a slabbed Sam Howe silver PSA 10 go for. 385 and look Washington is hungry for a QB right you know they had RG3 ripped uh from their their grasp if you will I don't love Desmond Ritter but the one thing I like about both of these players is they are rookie contract quarterbacks and Andy, there's no longer excuses for both of these guys or just those offenses in general that they don't have weapons, right? Um, I have heard a lot about Jahan Dotson this offseason, who I don't think is, like, great, but, you know, I, I looked at his reception perception profile for Matt Harmon. It looked pretty solid. Um, and, look, there's Curtis Samuel still there. There's Terry McLaurin there, still there. Um Good backfield there. And Desmond Ritter, of course, has a lot of draft capital spent on his weapons as well. Um, I, I I I would target Howell, though, over Desmond Ritter. But, yeah, I, I'm not in love with either of them. And I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm staying away from both, Andy. But if I had to pick one, I would probably pick Sam as well. And, yeah, and I think um, another stat you can look at in terms of what's the what's the Vegas odds got them for MVP. That's that's an important one for me because anytime that I am wanting to target a quarterback, I definitely want to take into consideration what's the odds that they could be a named like comeback player of the year, uh, NFL MVP, which is made up of a, a panel of judges that are sports journalists and broadcasters and stuff that it's very much a narrative-driven award, you know? So it typically goes to the guy who's had the best season, led his team to the most wins or comeback wins, you know, barely made the playoffs but was just clutch for his team around it with, you know, the – the um, I think there's, there's a big comeback narrative, kind of fresh start narrative for the commanders. And I think this is kind of like Sam Howell's coming out party, whereas we saw a lot more of Desmond Ritter, and right now there is – a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth for Desmond Ritter after how uh, he played at the tail end of the season. So right. I feel like, you know, he's going to have more hype coming out of the gate. Now, can, can who can exceed expectations higher? I think Sam Howe, just because the expectations are lower than Ritter, it would seem if you were to correlate directly over some of these fantasy drafts. <laughs> so it's uh, it's interesting. I, so from that perspective, I do think there's more eyeballs right now on the Falcons as well with the draft app that they just spent on Bijan. So um, it's it's interesting. But yeah, I'm definitely going Sam Howell. And and I would compare it to the to the other guys in the draft class. Fortunately, you have to compare it to Kenny Pickett because he's only first round guy now starting. But look at Brock Purdy too, and compare it to those guys. See where those guys are at. Don't expect them to get up to those guys, but expect them to maybe get. 50, 75% of what their values are in a peak uh, Howell market. Now, I, I sent you two private Dedron Ritter gold number to 10 cells. I want everyone in the chat right now, before you put them up on the screen, okay? Um, we see pretty much everyone's in agreement here on Sam Howell or Dedron Ritter. I want you to guess what a Desmond Ritter 2022 Optic Contenders Gold Prism Patch number to five sold for. I want everyone in the chat to give it your best guess. Gold number to five Desmond Ritter card. How much do you think that that sold for on eBay? Okay. Uh, just give it your absolute best guess in the chat. I'm just staying away from both, Andy, just because neither of them are guys that I just love at all, even though they are NFC quarterbacks. So there is, you know, a little bit cleaner uh, way forward. 
Um, but the answer, look, we got a few uh, coming in right here. 250, 900, 1200. The answer is 1500. Andy, put it up on the screen. I don't want anyone to think that it, it, some of these prices were outrageous. So that's the gold hollow uh, ticket auto. That one went for 1899. Um, and then the other, yeah, the other one, I, it was a big link before that. Um, 1500. So still, it's the same thing that applies here. 1800, 1500. Uh, this was the one that I was referencing right here. Look at that, Andy. <laughs> huh? Wow. 36 bids, too. 36 bids. So, uh, Cody, my advice would be, and I really do mean this. I don't mind quarterback prospect, prospecting. Um, I lost my tail on one big one last year, but you know I've done really well on some others. My thing is this. If you were the purchaser of this card right here, okay, what is your end game? If you're a Desmond Ritter Atlanta Falcons collector, your end game obviously is to get super rare gold stuff in your collection. But if you're in this to flip it, do you really think another flipper out there is going to buy this card for at least 2000 2500 what would you say to that, Andy? Do you think someone out there would love Desmond Ritter enough? Let's just say Desmond Ritter lights it up in a preseason game. I still don't think anybody out there would just immediately run to eBay to buy this card for 2K or maybe even get your money back. No, you're you're buying that um you're buying that four touchdown preseason performance <laughs> in the value of this card. You know, you're buying that uh, that preseason expectation, the value of this card. I, I mean, maybe a couple hundred dollars if you catch uh, an impulsive, you know, Falcon super collector uh, type person. Maybe, maybe they, you know, there's always there's always the I guess the chance that someone buys a pack of cards and rips a super rare card out of there and then sells that to buy this kind of deal because they're a massive Falcons fan. That that's the only situation. I just don't see uh this card really appreciating much more in value unless he goes on like uh 3 and 0, 4 and 0 type uh, start to his season and being talked about as an MVP, which I just I I mean, I cannot fathom. I just can't fathom it. And it also comes to mind if it was even paid for, which I would sincerely doubt that both of these were paid for and if not both of these were shilled to the high heavens but i do agree with my guy roland that it is a very nice looking card huh ah, ah. uh uh yeah. but still um i didn't think we would be talking so much desmond ritter and sam howe here let me ask you this andy uh as far as like an rb market is concerned I, I am going to be very interested to see what B. John Robinson stuff goes for. We were looking at some B. John autos before the draft even started uh, that were going pretty high. Um, he's in Atlanta, big market. Obviously, Falcons, I'm not going to say they have a great fan base because I'm a Saints fan, but they do have a loyal fan base. It's going to be interesting to see what B. John could do to potential running back cards this next year. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because you look at the the um, once again the Vegas odds for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, he's the overwhelming favorite right now, and uh, he should have a massive opportunity. He's got the athletic ability to convert it. So from that standpoint alone, with him being a rookie and being as good as he is, he could. He's the type of player that can transcend a uh, a losing record because he finishes as potentially the RB one in fantasy. He potentially finished as the leading rusher in the NFL uh, and gets the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, which would put his prices in that elite category of guys on, uh, like Justin Jefferson. I mean, look at Justin Jefferson. He's a prime example from a different positional category, but as a wide receiver compared to uh, uh, Bijan as a running back, I, I think you can compare those guys if Bijan executes at, at the level at which we think he will. Because look at Justin Jefferson. The Vikings always flame out 
in the in the wild card round or heading into the playoffs. They lose in the primetime game and stuff like this. But Justin Jefferson's still the wide receiver one. You know, he's still him. So I mean, and you look at the values that he gets, he get he garners more values than even CeeDee Lamb, who's on America's team, you know. So um yeah, I, I think uh, it, I think his his values are going to do really well if he can play at that level. Let's freaking go! So right now, obviously, Andy and I both affiliated with Underdog Fantasy. Sign up now. Promo code Quest or promo code Carter. That's mine, but use Andy's promo code Quest. And Bijan right now, Andy is the RB two being selected on Underdog Fantasy, only behind Christian. McCaffrey. So the Bijan hype is very real right now. It was already, but it is amazing to actually see these huge drafts, which, as you know, Andy, people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to compete in. The draft capital, not only in real life, but in fantasy life, is just going absolutely insane. So let me ask you this not only from a football card perspective, but just from him, a player perspective. Um, what what do you feel about him moving forward? And also, how do you feel about Jameer Gibbs moving forward? Yeah, so I, I really like Bijan. I'm, I think, well, in the underdog draft we did last Thursday night, he went at the 1.1. Somebody took Bijan number yeah. one overall. Uh, I do think that they're going to give him the ball as many times as he can possibly handle. Plus, he's going to get receiving work, and he can he's, he's highly efficient. So, I, I do think that, you know, heading into September, he's going to continue to stay in the middle to the beginning of the first round of those fantasy drafts. He's going to continue to be hyped up and talked about as potentially the next uh, Adrian Peterson in the NFL, like the next great running back in the NFL. And as guys like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey get older, he's the he's the new wave, right? And, and there hasn't been draft capital spent on a running back like, uh, since Saquon Barkley in 2018. So uh, Bijan is going to be the most hyped running back, uh, I, th- I think, per, by a pretty big margin. So uh, any of his autograph stuff, his college uniform stuff, is going to be highly um, viable. They're also the Chronicles is getting ready to be released here at the end of, of May. That's Chronicles draft picks. So it's going to have a bunch of different inserts, college ticket autos. It's going to have some legacy uh, college rookie cards. Some have rated rookies, but college uniforms. That's going to be a hot product for these rookie guys. And I look at a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who's just getting absolutely steamed up. Like people are steaming him up like crazy. In some cases, taking him over Amon Ross St. Brown, who I think was a, a massive winner out of this draft. Um, and, and yeah, Jameer Gibbs looks like everything that they wanted DeAndre Swift to be. And yeah, he is behind a, a lead offensive line with the check down quarterback and and all this stuff, and he probably will get receiving work with Jamison Williams being suspended for the first six weeks, and uh, and just not they just don't have many other uh, weapons there. Although they, you know, Amon, outside of Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, them drafting Sam Laporta, it's like you know a bunch of uh, either dusty old guys like Marvin Jones or uh, Marvin. guys that have, you know. So so yeah, the 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 um, depth chart competition is shallow, but David Montgomery he's he's solid. Uh, I think people are starting to overvalue. I think Jameer Gibbs is already in that overvalue category. Ooh, he's the guy that well, yeah, I mean he got steamed Ooh. up so quick, man. I think people are underestimating the impact that David Montgomery is going to have on that depth chart and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. So I I think it's a great situation, but. To, to spend a first-round pick on Jameer Gibbs in fantasy, to spend the same on Jameer Gibbs as you're spending on B. John Robinson's rookie cards is is too much. He, he's right. not he's not worth that much. That's that's my opinion, Carter. It's, that's why I say he's currently – his product is overvalued. Uh, he also went to Alabama. That's, that's a massive college program, iconic college program. So that, that is a stat. Like where you went to school – is also a stat that adds into your value. We've seen it time and time again. Yeah, so one thing I will mention about Bijan's situation, and this is the weirdest thing about the Falcons selecting him, is Tyler Algier last year was a good football player. Like, I'm not going to tell you he's a second coming. I'm not going to tell you he's a Pro uh, Bowl-level guy. But I love me some Tyler Algier. And with a fifth-round pick, they were getting – they were getting production out of that, and they spent another first-round pick 
on a running back. Um, so yeah, I'm a Tyler Algier believer. I have been. Um, but yeah, like, oh, we we could grab this Jameer Gibbs base auto. What are we at? 19.99. Let's see. We might might get a snipe here. What is it? Is it numbered? No, it's just regular. Uh, it's not numbered. Um, yeah, see, the backs on these cards like leave a lot to be desired as well. Like, I, yeah. would, I would hope that they put some college stats on there. Like, put some college stats on there. Yeah, Isn't no, that, that I, I was I was going after a Mason Smith uh, LSU card, and I saw the back of these. I was like, what? Really? Feels like something that that would be handed out to me at like uh, like an event. I mean, you know, we're Bowman, you guys. Through and through, that's very interesting. It looks like and, that card. Yeah, this is this is uh, technically uh, Bowman U Bowman Best, which is right. now like a subsidiary set off of the Bowman University brand. So it's like okay, they've introduced this new little set. It hasn't done as well already, and I'm I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm not as big of a fan of the design uh, or the way they did like the backs and stuff. Um, I feel like there's going to be lo more loyalty to just the Bowman Chrome University than this set, Carter. Mm, absolutely love it. So one thing I'll bring up to you, Andy, you know, National Treasures is coming out like in the next month, I believe, month, two months, just depending on release dates. By the way, a tip that we always give out, if you are trying to get release date information, um, it doesn't matter if you go to any website, always be skeptical of it because release date push back all the time. They, they just do. So always keep that in mind. But what I would say about, you know, release date information is always check on it. Always check on it. And if you know you have an auto of a very speculative player in a set that is not so well desired always be looking to move that while the other cards just aren't there just because of simple supply and demand population control right so it's uh it, it is important to always andy take a look at those release dates um because i mean i'm, I'm very interested to see what national treasures is going to do um over, over the next few months yeah, and you talk about cards to own. National Treasures, when I when I search 2016 and I look at um, some of the prices that Jared Goff is getting now, it's pretty crazy. Right. Uh, but the highest sold card from May is a National Treasures card. It's a National Treasures rookie card. When I go to 2017, look at the most expensive Patrick Mahomes cards. They're National Treasures and rookie ticket autos and flawless. Um, and then I go 2018, do the same thing. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, National Treasures. Again, highest uh, highest sold value in, in May already. You know, And then uh, same thing with 2019, it's actually a Nick Bosa. It's not a Kyler Murray. It's not uh, you know some of these other guys from 2019. It's actually these skill position guys from 2019 are taking over. And that one was – that was Nick Bosa. Then 2020 is Joe Burrow, National Treasures again. Carter, and then you have uh, you also have flawless there. You got uh, Justin Herbert, flawless national treasure. Same thing with Hertz. And there was even a uh, a Tua that I had pulled up that someone it was a one one that someone spent twenty five grand on. So I was pretty shocked about that. But national treasure is like uh, cream of the crop still with uh, with uh, flawless, and you know some of these rare rookie ticket autos get up there all day long. And then Prism, super rare Prism. I am interested, um, and, and please reach out to me if you're listening to this on a podcast down the road, but is there anyone in the Card Quest Nation that actually breaks National Treasure? Like, you jump into breaks for this super high-end product. Um, I, I am a little shocked at how much people love National Treasures, right? It is a brilliant looking card it is absolutely beautiful i'm not saying that at all uh, but andy I, I i think it shocks you a little bit as well how much people love that product like uh even over flawless uh you know it's kind of sort of the same thing but it's not really the same thing yeah and, and that's a and that's a, a trick because you look at how expensive 
the boxes are like i mean the boxes are and it's a one pack it's one pack of like four or five cards and you're going to spend anywhere between five and 20 grand for that based on the draft class and and you're you they're all going to be serial number they're all going to be probably autoed or have some kind of jumbo memorabilia but there's situations where you can target the singles of good skill position players because they do have a pretty long checklist of of players that get printed in national treasure, both veteran and rookie. And you can target those singles undervalued. You can sometimes find them in auction ending for $40, $50 on a, uh, a sleeper player in the league, whether it's a wide receiver, running back, tight end, and then turn around. That guy has a, a breakout game, starts getting hype, heading into the season. All of a sudden, that card goes from being worth $50 to now someone buys it for $350, you know, $350 because of the scarcity and, and the brand recognition around national treasures. And, uh, and, and, you know, they'll just, they'll, because they're used to paying that much for national treasures cards. So when they see your buy it now listed at that, they sometimes, if it's, it's, if it's an impulse buy, they're not even going back you know, 30, 60 days, look at what the auctions did. Right. They're just, they're making that purchase and they know that those national treasures are going to disappear um, first over some of the other cards. Before we get to a few viewer questions, let's zoom in on a few of these um, cards right here. I love the Spectra. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, they got the Spectra in there. And you notice what I like about this is uh, the design's cool people love uh, collectors love spectra you got the rookie card logo though that's big for me yeah um because people see that instantly jumps out at them you know as an official rookie card there's your rated rookie man uh you got your rated rookie in there that's gonna be huge and you notice that it has the same pro design as this year's right. draft class so it's very easy to uh, for this card to be valued similarly to this current year's draft class, even though it's still college uniforms, it's officially licensed and it's got the pro design to it and the brand recognition of Rated Rookie because Rated Rookie is its own brand in and of itself. <laughs> Let's go to a few questions here, Andy. SCA Sports Cards. Um, is the same thing happening in football with Panini like baseball? Baseball, they can't use active MLB players starting with their 2023 release. Um, I'm not sure, but I am not, I've not heard anything about this. You know, uh, here's the comment from SEA Sports Cards. Um, Baseball can't use active MLB PA players starting with their 2023 release. No, this is not the same because uh, Fanatics may own the NFL PA license, but they do not own the NFL license. Those are two different licenses that you have to own if you want full control over printing licensed uh, NFL football cards. And uh, there, there is talks, like we talked about this last week, about how Fanatics is working on a deal to contract directly with players and then obviously we know the Panini license with the NFL is up in 2026. Obviously, it's going to be up for bids. NFL is out to make that money, right? So Panini, it, they're they're a powerhouse. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I, I don't I don't foresee any significant changes in in the NFL product besides these like uh, college uniform products here from Fanatics and Tops and Bowman, uh, what what have you? Until 2026, I still see Panini as the primary manufacturer with not many changes. So I am just not smart enough to understand all of this because I don't follow baseball cards at all. It's very confusing. Like, I know we prospect in football, but I, I don't know who Jason Dominguez is. I just don't. So I never try and get into to baseball cards at all. So if someone um, – I know SCA is explaining this in the chat or – if someone out there can um, tell me what the heck uh, that even means. Um, yes, we do know Fanatics has the three players association licenses. They don't necessarily have the league licenses uh, yet. But SCA Sports Card says, same as baseball, 2023 Donruss Baseball has no active players. 
I, I, I just don't know enough about baseball. I just don't. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how that would apply to football. So sorry, I can't answer. And Andy can't answer this question fully uh, because it is over my head. One thing, though, that I found to be just out of nowhere. Okay. I know this is a different sport than football. But these basketball Monopoly cards, have you seen this, Andy, the Monopoly prism? I, I Does anyone have the idea as to why those two brands merge together? I, I've not done any research on it. I just see it all the time on my Twitter timeline. I didn't even know Monopoly was still a thing. I remember playing the McDonald's games and all of that. But, yeah, it is, it's, it's very strange. Why is Santa Claus being printed on a downtown card, you know? <laughs> Oh man, I, I I love the Santa Claus downtown. I think the the Panini and the Monopoly, uh, you know, the Monopoly trademark pairing together is I don't know. Maybe it's a Panini sending a message to fanatics saying they've got a monopoly on uh, on football cards, or they just thought it was like clever. You know, some of these designs, I don't know. But I saw some of the prices and how excited people were for monopoly like do people even still play board games i mean i i don't i don't know i don't know why people like i mean people clearing shelves type of retail kind of stuff um heck one thing i will say and this is going to tie in with hobby tip of the week so we're going to do hobby tip of the week here um check your retail shelves i know quite a few of you don't even go look because it used to get cleared out and you weren't sad but normally retail shelves, especially at Walmart and Target, they're at the front of the store. I walk into uh, a Walmart. Guess what? I saw some 2022 prison boxes on the shelf. Blaster boxes on the shelf. Now, I didn't get them um, because, like I said, I've been saving up for the national gear. But you can get product on the shelves again, Andy. What a crazy concept yeah just don't expect much out of it total gamble right and in in fact it makes perfect logical sense this will be my hobby tip of the week we touched on it last night but i think it's worth touching on it again and mentioning to you uh mentioning this to you carter i was talking to uh ryan Haslip, who ryan and i are doing uh where i'm reviewing his ebay store and helping him go from ripping boxes to selling being being more of a flipper and building a collection selling singles on ebay and he's ripped a ton of product and what he's seen is that when retail product is first released it has a lot more hits in it and it makes perfect logical sense once he once he mentioned this to me because it it you know when people are pulling hits out of the the new product they're telling their friends they're posting on social media they're yeah. talking about it which drives more people to go buy more product and so he he's his opinion because he's bought so many retail boxes that after about a month all of a sudden now the product becomes very diluted becomes very hard to pull anything rare it's a bunch of uh commons mostly and it's very hard to pull anything rare. Whereas when a product is first released, that's when you're going to get your best cards. That is very interesting. What I think would be an interesting study would be how many gold number to 10 cards are listed on eBay, like the first like two months of release date. And that way you can kind of test how many uh, now of course some people rip them and keep them but it would be a good way to see how many are ripped in like the first like few months and then listed and if it's a high amount that would add to his theory that there are more hits in the boxes at the beginning of the release i've never really thought about it that way yeah, I, I didn't either. But whenever he, he said that to me, because he had so much experience ripping hundreds of boxes, it made perfect sense. You know, from a logical standpoint, if I was Panini, that's what I would do, you know, and it would be I'd put the more rare cards in the first boxes going out so that people pull them. They're posting it. They're getting their friends excited. All of a sudden now people are flocking to the stores to try and buy those boxes. You know, just how it uh, leaks about this monopoly. If there's a uh, a perceived scarcity around something that's popular 
amongst the big content creators and social media influencers in the space. And that makes its way through the interwebs and all over Twitter and Instagram and everywhere. Then that's just going to get people excited, hyped up to pursue that themselves. And, you know, there's still like you could go to the Walmart today and buy a box of Prism. You've got a chance. But do you? Do you really? It's probably very slim chance, uh, even more slim than whenever they were first released. That is so fascinating to me. Okay. So uh, there you go. Now let's get to a few comments here. BCJ, fanatics will just buy Panini. Very interesting. Do I believe fanatics will just come out and buy Panini? There have been rumors with Leaf. There have been rumors with everybody with Fanatics. We already know that they have bought tops. Okay. Um, I know I, I know quite a few people that work at Fanatics. Uh, they don't know, right? Uh, I would guess that they are just weigh, uh, weighing their options. But because Prism has just been, you know, so big, I could see this. I really could see this happen. But then again, I want tops football cards back and we've already seen it with like bowman U. I collect tops football cards from 2013 in particular so fanatics will just buy panini do you agree with that andy do you think that that is something that you will see happen i don't know man you know i don't know panini is well established they love money it's gonna have to be a massive deal it would probably be a multi-billion dollar deal and it, I think it comes down to how well are Panini's financials uh, when it comes to 2026? Can they secure licensing specifically for NFL, uh, which has now become like one of their their, their main bread and butters? Uh, so you know, can they can they maintain an exclusive contract with the actual NFL license? And um, will Fanatics offer the billions that they want to walk away? Man, I don't know what type of type of uh, good old boy, you know, relationship there is behind the scenes, behind like the executives of Panini and the NFL kind of thing. There could be relationships there that supersede what Fanatics has and Fanatics may not have the financials to make the offer that Panini wants. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a guarantee. I don't think it's something that um, you can bank on just yet. I think it's a possibility, but I don't think it's a guarantee. You know, one thing I I uh, before we get to plays of the week here at the end, we say hi to thundering cards and everybody um, just you know floating in here. I am um, obviously very interested to see what's actually going to happen with all of this, um, but. What I would say is it goes back to your initial point about exclusives with um, with the initial players, right, um, or, or separate from football cards because they have a lot of exclusives, like Joe Burrow signs with Fanatics, right? Uh, so if you buy a Joe Burrow autographed jersey that wasn't you know signed in person at a game, there's going to be a Fanatics hologram sticker more than likely on that jersey. So I do think that would be very interesting. Obviously, one thing that I would add about Fanatics is um, they are so closely tied in with the big superstars, in particular in the NBA. Um, it is amazing. Michael Rubin, um, and you can love him, you can hate him, you could be skeptical of Fanatics' future. Celebrities love this guy. They just do. And... I like Michael Rubin. Anytime he's on a podcast, I've always found a story interesting. You know, Florida, the skis. I mean, just there's so many different things. Um, but he's tight with the owners. He used to be an owner. And he is tight with these players. And there are a few people that are just cool with everyone like this guy. And I just think players are going to be more excited. Like, for instance, one thing that I thought was the coolest thing, and this is baseball, but Andy, did you see this for opening day? The rookies or the major, some of the major league players had like an opening day patch on their jersey. Okay. Hmm. And the patch on the jersey was exclusively used to be put in one of ones for those baseball players. 
Andy, you you know, I'm a patch guy. That is my favorite thing on the planet, our game use patches. That's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. That card is going to be so freaking cool. I can't wait to see what the final product is going to look like. Maybe it's out. I don't know. Like I said earlier, uh, I'm not, you know, all in on baseball at all. But if he did something like that for football, uh, you know how much logo shield patches uh, go for. Um, I it, it, There's more of that, more game use stuff. Sign me up because that is just right at my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, game game use stuff is a game game changer when you think about it. Like actual game used, verified. I love what they're doing with, with some of those patches and printing which game it was from. And Fanatics does have the resources to actually make this incredibly unique. Uh, you know, in in that sense, with specific players, because I think that is a lot of what uh, Panini is missing. Like I I feel like they have their events they have certain events like the rookie premier event that i'm sure they probably already got scheduled for sometime later this month and and stuff but you know what fanatics can do on a player specific level is could be a potential game changer especially when it when it comes to like game used memorabilia which is a massive weakness of panini i do want to get this in i'm not going to the dallas card show I don't, I don't. I don't want Cody to think that I that I'm going. Reach out to me, Cody, and I can send you the card if you want it. I'll, I'll mail it out today. Hit me up at Power Hour LSU or at Card of the Power. Uh, I don't want you to think I'm going to Dallas and I and I not show up. Uh, I, I was. I think I asked a questioner in the last live stream if you were going to Dallas or uh, Chicago for the national. I wish I was going to Dallas in in May. Uh, I wish Andy could go with me. Um, Okay, good, Cody. I don't want you to. I didn't want you to be going and thinking that I was going to show up. As you know, Andy, I went to the Dallas Card Show in January, and it was my bachelor's trip. So I was with my best friends. That was the funnest I've ever had in sports cards, ever had in sports cards. Um, Dallas is awesome. Dallas is always awesome, and in a way, you know, it's a little bit better than the National. It's not as expensive, and it is mostly just sports cards, and it's not. Too, too, too big where you can't just go see everything. But Andy, we got to get you to Dallas, man. Got to get you to a Dallas card show, brother. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, Dallas sounds fantastic. And actually, they have nice little nonstop flights uh, here from Tampa. So let's let's just go. Yeah. Let's just go. F it. Let's. No, I'm just kidding. We got to save up <laughs> for these, uh, these Chicago things. So. Uh, I think another stat to look at, Carter, uh, when it comes to understanding hype, is looking at Fanatics uh, jersey sales. Look at look at who the best-selling jerseys are right now. They kind of give you an idea of how hype these guys are, especially from a fan base, because a lot of guys that are spending $80 on a Fanatics jersey of a guy that maybe not even started a game yet, like Will Levis, you know, um, you can get an idea of how many potential fans are for this guy out there. Those are the same guys that are potentially buying those rookie cards, right? Yeah. <sighs> going back 10. to yeah. So, so going back to what you were saying a minute ago, if they did an opening day patch for NFL and they put it in cards, I'm a patch over auto guy, but of course the auto is always going to be like the biggest thing for a card. Here's one thing I will always say about game use uniforms, okay? Because there was, um, and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a boxing match, and I believe Canelo recently boxed, and Najee Harris walked up to Canelo and autographed a uniform and gave it to Canelo, and it was a game use uniform, okay? Game use Najee Harris uniform. Obviously, Najee's got a big fan base. Canelo's got everything. I mean, Canelo, Canelo is one of the best boxers of the modern era. I was just thinking to myself, God, that would be so sweet just for that jersey to be chopped up and put in a bunch of cards, and there'd be a bunch of kids that can go around Andy saying, I got a piece of Najee Harris's game-used uniform in this card. The reason why I like game-used uniform stuff so much is – Somebody can always autograph something. A legend will be able to autograph something until they're 70. 
Gambu's uniforms are the ultimate finite resources uh, in, that, that we have in sports memorabilia. So it's uh, it, it's it's always something, Andy. You you know it's it's what I've directed a good bit of my focus on is uh, that, and I would hope Ruben with Fanatics has a bunch of new game use uniform stuff out pretty soon. Yeah, that that could be that could be like the straw that breaks the camel's back. That could actually put Fanatics clearly in the lead of Panini if they figure out a solution to the game used memorabilia cards but i do agree with bcj and cody that the on-card auto aspect of it is always cool because the player had to touch the card uh in order for that card to be um awesome so there you go now andy we get to plays of the week look at will levis number 10 jersey can you believe that uh, yeah, best-selling jerseys right now. Will Levis at number 10, Joe Burrow at 9, Travis Kelsey at 8, Patrick Mahomes 7, Kenny Pickett number 6, Carter. Kenny Pickett number 6, number 5, Aiden Hutchinson, Detroit Lions. Number 4, Anthony Richardson with the Colts. Makes sense. Number 3, yeah. Jalen Hurts. Philadelphia Eagles, Bryce Young, number two best-selling jersey right now. Number one jersey with the Panthers. And number one is Mr. Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Your thoughts on Aaron not taking the number 12 with Joe Namath's blessing. That was very interesting. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Maybe it's – I think it's a little bit of him trying to reinvent himself um, right. kind of like a renaissance for Aaron Rodgers here. Uh, he's trying to cut ties with his pass. Also, you know, number 12 is Tom Brady's jersey number. So there may be a little bit of uh, differentiating there as, you know, as well. So I get it. He's trying to he's trying to be different, differentiate himself, uh, start fresh here towards the end of his career. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, not many legendary eights, right? Steve Young. Um, I can't really think of anyone just like off the top legendary number eights. Lots of 12s. Stabler, Kelly, Brady, Aaron, obviously. So, um, Staubach. So, that it's always very interesting. Now, plays of the week. And, Andy, I'm actually going to go first here. Um there's not many autos of this guy. You can only find Sage autographs of this guy, which are always very interesting. But I'm going to show some love for Tank Bigsby, uh, the running back out of Auburn that was selected to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. So I know ETN is there. Totally get it. But I don't think with ETN's injury history that they're going to want him to be uh, oh, yeah, Troy Aikman, Warner Bray. So apologies to Cowboy Nation. Um, but uh, there's – I think there's going to be weeks where we see Tank Bigsby at Auburn show up for Tank Bigsby with the Jaguars. Consistently, Tank Bigsby played with bad offensive supporting cast, bad offensive line, bad quarterbacks, um, bad receivers on the outside, and – uh, a coach who was never meant to be in the SEC. Now he goes to the Jaguars, one of the best play callers, one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best systems, and they are wanting to probably keep ETN fresh for the playoff run. Insert Tank Bixby, who is going to be playing with the best supporting cast he's had in quite some time. Now, I know he ran the football a lot, so there's a lot of tread off the tires, but I looked earlier, Andy. Tank Bixby autos, some ended for five bucks, five bucks, six bucks, seven bucks, eight bucks, nine bucks. Now it is Sage, mostly Sage. I can't find really anything else. But this coming from an LSU fan, I really enjoyed watching Tank Bixby play, and I think he is going to be a very underrated pro. And let's just say that ETN list Frank injury pops back up. This running back room is wide open now i don't know i, I think snoop connor is still in that room uh i'm not worried about him 
Watch out, Andy. Tank Bigsby is coming. Are you ready for the tank? I'm not, man. I've got a lot invested in Travis Etienne, so I want, I want all the Travis Etienne <laughs> workload. All right, Andy, let's hear it. Play of the week. So, uh, but no, I, I, dig, I dig it, man. Young guy, um, athletic upside there. So uh, my play is going to be even deeper sleeper than that, but he's got uh, rookie guards out. You know, he's from 2019 draft class, struggled with injuries, feels like virtually every year. Um, previously, you know, went to Alabama, early second round draft capital. He's tied in. And I was expecting this team to take a tight end in the draft, but they didn't. They didn't spend any draft capital on a tight end. So this is their guy. And he, uh, I'm talking about Irv Smith on the Cincinnati Bengals. He may be a mid-range talent at this point with the injuries that he's struggled with outside of the, the flashes that he's had going back to his rookie season. Um, but now he finds himself as the tight end one for the Cincinnati Bengals, who is one of the best offenses in the NFL. And he has got the he's got the profile to actually execute at a pretty high level. I think he can definitely have these spike games like Hayden Hurst did last year and make himself quite relevant um in that receiving attack and his cards are just insanely dirt cheap so when like you said when you can get a rookie ticket auto or an autographed car that's got serial number etc for five to ten bucks it leaves you with a lot of upside uh to cash out at any other point in the season and we're especially talking about like potential playoff potential here which could have uh even higher upside than heading into september he he'd be a guy that it would be stash in and hope that he has one of these spike games either prime time or playoffs for the Bengals, and uh and then people go out and want to buy some irv smith where's irv smith from originally do you know where is he from originally like in uh where where, where, do he, where did he play his high school football i'm gonna guess somewhere in louisiana probably New Orleans, like uh, louisiana baby He's from the 504. He is a brother, Martin Crusader, Irv Smith, only a three-star recruit. Nick Saban loved him, and uh, he went to Alabama, had a great career. I like the opportunity there with no tight end being selected. I like your mindset. Um, and Derek is is fading your, your, your Irv Smith. He says Irv Smith is a tight end version of Will Levis. Ooh, <laughs> there's a lot of Will Levis uh, believers out there that think he's actually going to take over uh, this this job from Ryan Tannehill. You know, Ooh. if they release Ryan Tannehill, they can save 18 million dollars in cap space. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting storyline. I'm not sure that Will Levis, but we've seen declining statistics from Ryan Tannehill in EPA in accuracy and efficiency in the in the past couple of years we know malik willis is not pro ready at all so there's a chance that levis can step up and potentially take this starting i mean he's got the cockiness and the the uh the attitude to to go and take it will he i don't know but uh people you can see are really hyped up uh about the titans moving up in the second round to get him and there's a lot of fans for him out there one of the biggest what ifs in NFL history. I'm going to give it to you right here at the end. Um, so do you know who Brett Bielema is? Andy? What? Brett Bielema's? <laughs> no, Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema. Uh, man, it's not ringing a bell. All right, so he was a coach at Wisconsin and he ended up taking the Arkansas job um, and was a very good coach, solid coach for Arkansas standards. And he eventually got fired and had a little time with the Patriots and all of that. Um, but Brett Bielema was a very pro-style coach. And when he was with Wisconsin, he interviewed with the Miami Dolphins. So he met with, you know, Stephen Ross and he said, hey, I will take the Dolphins job. I will even take less uh, than the market share if you draft Russell Wilson in the second round. And 
They said no. And instead, they drafted Ryan Tannehill. So, Brett Bielema could have been the coach at the Dolphins. If this story is true, that's this was from Brett Bielema's own mouth. Russell Wilson could have been a Dolphin. Wow. Which would have been very interesting. And Ryan Tannehill would have never been a Dolphin. Uh, but there you go. Andy, you getting a work call? What's going, what's going on, man? That, that you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a popular guy, you know. So I t- I take calls all day long for a variety of different variety of different reasons. That sounded like the ultimate work call, like a like a Zoom Cisco kind of software popping up. Hey, this is Richard from accounting. We need to have a meeting right now. Huh? 100% is 100%. So, um, tell Richard I said hello. We're gonna go ahead and sign off here once again. Patreon.com slash football cards is where you can find us and let us know if you're going to the national. Okay. We'll see you next week, everyone. Tuesday, 1 30 PM central. Peace. Peace out, y'all. Appreciate you guys. <sighs> <laughs>